right. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming out for the podcast and set. My guest this week is Mr. Joe Herrera. How y'all doing? <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Let's, let's make friends with the audience right away. Why not? <laughs> now, Joe, we were talking briefly outside, but I've known you for approximately 16 years. About 16 years, yeah. Definitely uh, the majority of my improvisational uh, career here in Los Angeles. Did you did you start like when I met you around then? Uh, you know, I I come from Cerritos College, so I come from like the school of Ernie Macias, Christopher Alvarado, the Lopez twins, Babs and Maria. I have no idea. Well, they're legends. Where, 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 I mean, where's what's you said Cerritos College? Cerritos College, yeah. There's an improv troupe there that's been going on since. the Where's 80s. that college? I'm not familiar with it. The city of Cerritos in Norwalk, California. In Norwalk, California. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm from. You're from... I'm from Illinois. Gotcha. So I'm, I've been I'm, there a couple times. It, it's, a, it's a great place, <laughs> it is, Illinois. It is, actually. Uh, all right, so you... Uh, so so that was a college troupe, if you will. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. Um, it's funny, because I've heard that from a lot of people who just be like, yeah, I did, I did some in college, and it's always the same feel when they say it. It's like, yeah, I did it in college, but by the time we're sitting here talking, they're like, I realize that was kind of bullshit. <laughs> um. You know, I actually will be the first one to break that cycle. All right, thanks. All right, here we go. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I call Sorry. bullshit, but go ahead. Sorry to contradict you. No, uh, at Cerritos, it was, it felt a little bit more special. I mean, it was just short for them, and it was all, you know, hucks and gags and shits and gigs for our parents that came. Right. Because we all lived at home and went to college. That's right. what community college was. Uh, however, the core of, like, those people that did it uh, they remain friends over the years. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's not so much, because like my first it, experience in improv, I can look back on it now and be like, well, that was bullshit. But at the time, you know, I didn't know. So to me, it was just, hey, this is fun and I'm having fun. And it moved me from that place to the next level, I suppose. Uh, still say it was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I think we all, I'm, I'm sure everyone probably has, I would imagine, a fond memory for when they first encountered this stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and I still take that with me. And you're right. It did lead to something that was bigger, and, you know. And I suppose if you can compare the work that we did there, I mean, as right. opposed to like what we do now here in Los Angeles, sure. There's one ways a little heavier than the other. So you managed um, to get out of Cerritos. <laughs> I managed. Imagine that. And then I came uh, and I found Second City in Hollywood. And at that time, it was where the Comedy Central space is, right next to the uh, Hollywood Improv. Right. So that was my first home away from, improv home away from college. Did you start doing shows there or studying yeah, there? Yeah, or? I studied there. I went through the classes. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, teachers was Mark Beltzman. All right. I feel like I learned a hell of a lot from him. He's a great guy. He is. And he's like one of those kind of like old school Chicago. Oh, yeah. He took it super serious. Like the level of seriousness that he took it at. Right. Was above and beyond all of the other teachers that I had. And, you know, nothing to say against Second City at the time. I had a great time doing it. Um, but I feel like I can still feel the weight and the resonance of like what Beltsman told me. One of the best things he said about improv, and I still remember is, Improv is easy. Oh, no. Improv is simple. It's not easy. 
Right. And he's stuck to that. He's just like, when for kids, it's really easy for them to play house because they just assume the roles. You're the mommy, I'm the daddy. Uh, we play with dolls, these are our kids, and you just kind of go about your day. If you have adults doing that, they just keep, they put their lives into it. There's just too much that they put into it. They're not making it easy. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I absolutely get that. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Because uh, so often, we're, 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 especially when people are starting, we're trying to be something more than we are. Yeah. As opposed to just being who we are. Like saying whatever the fuck occurs to you. Uh, it's like, no, I'm not funny enough. I got to say something better than what occurred to me. So I start thinking on stage, pull myself out of the moment. I'm no longer playing house. Right now I'm adding shit that doesn't matter. Right. You're bringing like a stupid meeting that you had at work. It's like, guys, I, I teach this all the time. It's, it's the hardest thing. It's like the last lesson that you learn is like the thing you should have known all along. Yeah. This is like, just be, just be you. You're enough already. Whoever you are is enough already. Just, you know, you know, like, like I, I have students in, 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 in the house tonight and that I currently teach them like, like they already know. More than enough rules. They, they, they have more than enough guidelines. Uh, they're just not accepting that, like, hey, I'm enough. So whatever occurs <laughs> to me, I can just do that, and it will work. No, it uh, says, no and it does say a, uh, it says a hell of a lot about trust, not just with the person on stage, but with yourself, because you're exactly right. I fell into that trap so many times early on, and still today. I mean, I fall into that so many times. I get nervous with silence. I don't oh, yeah. think that my presence on stage and just <clears throat> communicating non-verbally is enough. I keep assuming that the audience needs to hear what's going on. They right. need to be fed. Right. This kind of stuff, as opposed to trusting you guys that, no, you can figure out what's going on. Let's all do this together. I still, I still struggle with the silence. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been doing it forever, but think if, if I hear that, you know, if I do something that I think is supposed to be funny and there's silence, you know, I'm aware of that. I mean, I, it's hard not to be aware of that. And it's hard to do that quick pivot to, well, I'm just being dramatic. <laughs> I'm just being can dramatic I, right now. Can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Sure. All right. So when I eventually transitioned from Second City to I.O., uh, one of the things they, they just encourage you just like, you know, go see as many shows as you can. We have so many great Im improvisers. Uh, and they're right. Uh, I talked to Crawley one time cause I was like, should I move to Chicago and study? And he was like, why do you want to do that? <clears throat> all the, all the best teachers are here in LA. Why, why the hell do you want to go to Chicago? And he was right. You know, we had all the best teachers of improv here in Los Angeles. Uh, and one treat was you used to do the Armando show. Right. And speaking of silence, you did this scene once, and this is what I recall. It was just you, Josh DeBose, and Dave Hill. You and Josh DeBose were just playing like a pair of uh, rascally brothers at an orphanage, and Dave Hill was, of course, a father. And it just the scene set up was just like Dave was like, "All right, guys, what what did you guys do? I can tell by the looks on both of your faces. Whatever it was was super cool. Did you smash a window?" And then you and Josh DeBose were just. And you guys did that eight times. And every time it got funnier and funnier and funnier because we just kept expecting either you or DeBose to say something fucking epic. Right. But just the, and you never did. Oh, well, it's I, too late. Yeah. 
it's too late by then. Uh, for, for those of you listening to this, what me and Josh were doing, we were just reacting to Dave by making children's faces at him that looked sort of mischievous, but not saying anything in, in response. And that's the sort of, that's an old lesson, which is if you do that a couple times, now you've, now basically you're right. The audience might start expecting some epic thing, which you can no longer come <laughs> up with. So you, you just stay silent because that is now the game of that scene is for you to never, <laughs> never say anything. Right. This is, this is not the greatest song <clears throat> in rock and roll. It's just a tribute. No, <laughs> exactly. You can never. Yeah. Um, being silent, I have no problem with. I have no problem. Uh, like, I, I can stand there on stage forever and just do nothing and wait for something to happen before I go. That doesn't bother me. It's the silence when you think you did something that might get a response and there's nothing. Then it's like, <laughs> oh, time to, time to recalibrate because I don't get this audience yet. <laughs> And it's funny because I, I used to not think about performing for the audience, but then I eventually just became aware of like the, it's a live thing. The audience is as, as much a part of the moment that's happening on stage as, as the players are. So how they react influences the decisions I make on stage. I think it's probably true of most people. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, any kind of live event, you want to include the audience as much as possible. I mean, um, it's it's weird to do things that are meant for an audience for nobody i these either last season or a season ago or two seasons ago there was a baseball game that had to be made up but nobody could be at the game i, I forgot what it was but it was a live baseball game at a stadium with nobody there and it was televised right. uh and it was the weirdest performance art <laughs> Because I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. But there's a sound to it. Right. There's a look. And this didn't look like professional baseball players playing a game. It looked like uh, a park theater group pretending to play <laughs> a very convincing fake game of ball. Um, and I, I, just, I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. I was like, this is wrong. That would make... Because wow. like, I, I don't care for baseball i never have <laughs> uh probably because I, I didn't really play it growing up right you're a basketball player. i was a basketball player That's but right. I, did, I just always, always struck me as as boring and the idea of like yeah remove the crowd and beer <laughs> from the event and then, yeah just watch these guys go through this very slow motion game <laughs> especially if like if, if, if that game happens to be like a, a pitcher's duel which is like only fun to watch if you're like a statistician or something, because it's just like wow. These, so those guys, nine guys, ran out in the field and stood there. Yeah, eight of them are really bored. Right, well, seven of them, I suppose. <laughs> while these are, two, two of them are playing while, catch. While these two guys played catch, and that guy tried to get the ball, uh, and then they took they switched they they switched sides. Uh, it was now you it guys was great. get to be bored. Uh, was it announced? I, yeah, yeah, they were calling it like a normal game. It was just, I don't know. It's just imagine, but that would be like imagine a super... the sound of golf applied to a baseball game. That's the best way I could describe it. Oh, I'm, I'm just thinking 
that would be like a, a banter challenge from hell. It's just like, it's like you have to be an entire stadium full of people right now. So your, your baseball banter better be A-plus today. Sure is a nice day. <laughs> Flags waving a bit. I, yeah, no. <laughs> was, was, that, was that your shot at it? I wasn't trying to say, like, let's, yeah. let's do that. I'm just imagining, like, cause at the same time. I made macaroni last night. <laughs> like, it was great. I got some for lunch. It's in my sack. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the crowd. Well, the crowd's not here today. No, no, no. Uh, you know, low. I was thinking of actually sitting in the top tech and doing the rest of it. These guys, I can hear the lights me. right now. <laughs> They're making a strange humming noise above our heads. I never noticed that before. Ah, another pitch. <laughs> baseball. <laughs> they occasionally just say baseball. baseball. <laughs> We're watching baseball. This is baseball. Uh, I remember, uh, when I remember meeting you at, 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 at the I.O., or from what I remember when I knew you, it was more like when you were running, I guess, the cage match. That's right, there. yeah. I ran the cage match for about 11 years at the I.O.S. That's a long-ass time to run a cage match. It was a long tenure. It was a very long ten years, um, and I'm very proud of it too. But of course, I couldn't do it by myself. I did it with uh, a tremendous help from the tax man, Mr. Josh Terry. Uh, give a round of applause for Josh Terry. Not no, no, really, give it to him because I've always said that he never. I never really felt that he got enough appreciation at Iowa West. He did a hell of a lot. Who's this? Josh. <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> He was my co-host. He was my co-host, co-producer of the cage match. Oh, um, all right. I mean, he was, no, no, he was a good guy. He was very organized. He had a great stage presence. He had a great voice, and he never drank, which means he would never get too fucked up to run the show, which let this guy allow carte blanche. And uh, in between the shows, you know, I'd watch the show for a little bit, and then I'd go to the bar, and I'd talk to Crowley. I'd get a drink and all that. Then I'd go back in and watch, and... I, you know, over the course of two 20-minute sets in an hour, I'd get pretty lit. Uh, not to mention during student cage matches sometimes. That's I would, a fast drunk. That's I, I saved everything for Thursdays. I'm I saying because like, you got drunk in 40 minutes, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't, you know, I had to be home. <laughs> I had to be at work the next day, so I got to put it into it. Uh, yeah, not to mention that certain nights uh, for the student cage match, Back when Cowag was running the lights, we would go and we'd get high. So for me, like during my the bulk of my twenties and some of my thirties, running during running the cage match, it was some of the best times of my life. Because not only did I get to kind of like run the show and you know bring like meet new improvisers, that's usually a lot of new improvisers. That's the first thing that they do. Like you get a bunch of people in your class, you like them, you want to form a group. Hey, let's sign up for a cage match. Sure, come on up. We have a student cage match, and I have a main stage cage match. The difference is one is in the DCT, the other's on the main stage. Because at some point, I just, I just threw out the whole, you have to have students all on your team to be on the student cage match. Because not everybody signed up for it, and I was overbooked for the main stage. So I just started incorporating everybody. I am proud to say that I was the first competitive sh uh, improv show to open it up to all schools. Uh, I didn't just limit it to iOS teams. I opened it up to UCB teams. Second City was experimenting with long form. Was UCB the around then? UCB came about around 05. So, all right. Yeah. They it's, were like a mainstay around 05. It's funny because like, I, I, I can't even remember. 
I remember Salud. they were still playing at the I.O., basically. Yeah, Besser was there a lot. Yeah, before they got their, the, the space on Franklin. That's right. Yeah, the, uh, the old Tamarind Theater. Yeah. Uh, no, when they moved, it was, it was huge. I mean, it was absolutely huge because we right. already had like a huge – there was a large New York contingent of improvisers uh, that had existed in Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of them came to I.O. because that was one of the few improv theaters with a bar. Right. It was a place that you could kind of hang out, you know, and just be around improvisers. You go out to Second City, but then you got to rub elbows with stand-ups. And those are like, you know, lions and tigers. Animals. The same. Yeah, lions and tigers. Stand-ups are, the are animals. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> they go like this when they're talking on the phone. So I.O. was kind of fun because it was ju- it was like... Not only just an improvisers bar, but it also kind of had the feel of a Chicago bar. Carly gave me tons of shit over the years for wearing Dodgers gear right. at I.O. Joe, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that shit? Take that off. This is a Cubs bar, Joe. So I used to get shit from him. But it's it was a lot of fun. Doing the cage match was a lot of fun during that. It was so fun. Like when I, when I moved out here going to I.O., it's like I, I, I very quickly knew more people from Chicago and Los Angeles than I knew in Chicago. Right. Because you guys all eventually started coming out here. Oh, yeah. But before I came out, a lot of them had already come out here. So when I came out here, I arrived, and there was already 30, 40 guys I knew <laughs> here. Uh, and there's few, I mean, it was fewer and fewer than I knew in Chicago uh, because there was, it was all students, right? I mean, right. I, I knew them, but they, it wasn't like my contemporaries. But my contemporaries had all gone to, to New York or L.A. years prior to me, prior to me moving. Uh, so that was fun to, just to walk into that. It's like, oh, I moved to Chicago. <laughs> I moved away from Chicago to my home. Um, it's a matter I imagine heaven would be like. I remember we, we talked about this briefly. Oh, welcome. I remember that, that, that fucking that cage match. But I, I think I did it two or three times. I know I did it twice. I, yeah, I think We're, I had you on two or three times. Uh, I'd say three times. Uh, and it was always when some fucking team was <laughs> was going for their 50-second win Yeah. In a, you know, in a bot house. So it's like there's no way you can win. No. However, it made sense to me that you and Brian O'Connell were – the ultimate team that they'd have to face before they either retire or I make them stop because they're winning too much. You're, I don't that, think I ever made any. No, that wasn't a particularly nice thing to do. To but those I appreciate teams. you for being a good sport. <laughs> I no, I acknowledge that. I do acknowledge that because I realize you just wanted to compete. You just wanted to get throw your hat in and. Oh, I I, I wanted to destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> You did have some difficulty with some of the winners at the I.O. cage match. I mean, you know, you're not the only one, just so you know. We had a team that won for over 50 weeks that did clap edits. You say, uh? Oh, you meant... One of those guys is actually on a top 10 sitcom right now. And, yeah, exactly. He got there by clap editing. He clap edited his way up to this sitcom. That's so funny because that's... I can remember. I mean, that I I remember when that was like the thing. To clap at it. Yeah, you you clap and you edit. <laughs> uh, they did fool each other once by clapping at one of their jokes, and they almost like I, I shit you not. This actually happened. They almost came on, realized their mistake, and like swept off. So, yeah. Oh, that would, I, I, that would be so fun. Just to, just to sit <laughs> just in the just to sit in the front row of the audience, just occasionally. <laughs> 
just <laughs> randomly do that and see what the fuck happens. Uh, oh man, no, that was a yeah, that was that was great. I had a I had a lighting guy uh, who it wasn't Paul. Uh, it wasn't a uh, Sean Cowick. It was uh, Paul Dietrich. Right. He was super fun. He's super funny, and he was you know apart from Cowick and all the other. B-Saw and everyone else who's ever done the lights for me, they're all great. Uh, I had a particular uh, banter with Dietrich because the bulk of his internship was during the run of the Clap Edit team. So every day uh, when I would see him, I'd like, I would be deliberately bright and happy. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Good to see you. He'd look at me and go, Joe, tell me who the fuck is the champion tonight and who's going to lose. I'm like, it's probably going to be your Clap Edit team. Joe, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I want to rip your fucking throat out through your nose, you son of a bitch. He's doing this from the booth. From the booth. Right. So he has to watch the show. Right. So think about that. 52 weeks of watching a show you hate. And you have to because it's your internship. That's what he did. Um, but it was... Uh, I got a hand at any team that, can, that has that many friends. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just because I, I could never, ever pull that off no. in my lifetime as far as like, I'm going to bring all my friends. Oh, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to bring all my friends. <laughs> I, I could invite all my friends and they wouldn't show up. Uh, now, hold on a second, because you actually have more of a, con you have a little bit more of a history, uh, a connection to the cage match at I.O. than I do. I came on board the I.O.S. cage match around 04. I started doing the student cage match, and then I moved on to the main stage one. I remember hearing that you were part of the first iOS cage match team that actually made it to 10 wins. I don't was, remember if that was uh, – not I.O. West, I.O. Chicago. Was it I.O. Chicago yeah, with I you and Purdy and uh, you, Kate Purdy? No. No? I did it. I was on a team. The first cage match I remember doing, I remember, I think, I believe it was Kevin Mullaney okay. who started the cage match in Chicago. That was the first cage match. Right. Right. And I remember having nothing to do with it. Just whatever it was. I was like, you know, teams competing. I'm like, this is, this is silly. Uh, but I remember one night, some team had apparently been winning for a while. Uh, and a a couple of the guys who were more senior in the theater said, hey, Miles, we're going to basically, we're going to put together a, a team of ringers to take this fucking team down. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. So I showed up and I look at the team and it's like my current class, <laughs> who I think is great. Uh, they were called Rockstar Siam. And I remember on that team, it was like they had one guy who wasn't in the current class. He was a former player, Brian Blockovich, uh, Karen Grazzi, Celeste Pecos. Y'all motherfuckers are stacked. Uh, Zach Thompson. Jesus. Uh, I can't remember everything right now, but I remember thinking, those, those are my fucking students. You're not going to beat up on my goddamn students. So I played with them instead. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, and we, we smoked them. <laughs> And then I stayed playing with them uh, every week just to make sure no one tried to pull that shit. Uh, and as it happened, I think we like we we beat the the annoyance team. We beat the nice. the second city main stage team. Uh, but that also, as it grew, I mean that team was a real solid fucking crew. 
but they were also particularly good at buying the house. Gotcha. They used to show up with stuff like little cereal boxes with a squirrel on it with big nuts or something. <laughs> and, just, and, you know, just, you know, and be like, yeah, vote for these nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's like they had all kinds of weird little ad things they did to try and to, to buy the audience. And they did. Uh, so, I mean, to me, that was also my experience was like, we won, I think, 14 weeks in a row. Uh, but it was also like, yeah, these guys got a lot of fucking friends that showed up every week, which I thought like, that's what the cage match is, which to me is genius. Like get two, you know, get two groups of people to invite all their friends, uh, to a place where you can pay money and drink the beer. Uh, I mean, my cage match was always free. The one at the iOS was always free. James, I think had asked me at one point early on, eh, you want to charge? I'm like, no, don't ever want to charge. People shouldn't have to pay to see competitive improv. I never liked that idea. If they're going to come, watch your friends and do this, you know. I suppose you, you, you could charge them to see anything. I mean, it's, it's still a yeah, show. It is still a show, but uh, no, I didn't like it. So kept the student cage match free, kept the main stage cage match free, which means all you had to do was bring your friends. Uh, and usually that meant they would drink at the bar. Right. And that's, anything. that's why no place with a bar would have a problem with that. Right. Absolutely not. Uh, when I started though, we had, let's see, we had just started the student cage match team and the main stage cage match team had been going on. Do you remember the team called Voodoo Economics with Aaron Krebs, Woody Drennan, James Bonadio? It sounds familiar. Yeah, this is like an old one back from like 04. I, mean, I, I recognize the players' names. I don't. Right. And the name sounds vaguely familiar. Well, these guys had broken the 10 mark. Nobody had won <clears> 10 in a row, and they just were, kept going. But there was a student cage match team that was gaining momentum. And the student cage match team consisted of Matt Carey, Todd Fazen, Alex Berg, and Alex Fernie. Yeah. And they were called Allergic to Todd. And they went back. Uh, the thing was, at the end of every month, whoever the student cage match winner was, could go on the main stage and take on the main stage ones. Well, Allergic to Todd went up against Voodoo Economics three times. They came back three times, and then the third time, they beat him, and they became the main stage champs. Then they started winning on the main stage, and they were about ready to break the record of Voodoo Economics, which at the time was like 17, and they won. And then the following week, they won their 18th. They broke the record. The, pa- the place was just packed. Like, you never saw it that packed. Unless right. it was like an Armando. And at <clears> this point, uh, like, Scott was doing the Armando. And Neil was doing the Armando. So right. it, was a, it was an audience competitive with that. But what was significant about this one was uh, they won their 18th. And then that night, Matt Carey went home. He went to bed with his wife, and he never woke up. He had a heart condition. Uh. He died. Uh, and it was just, it was just devastating. Uh, so naturally, allergic to Todd, they retired, they collected themselves, and they came back as Convoy. And they, went, they were the first team at I.O. to win 20 cage matches in a row. And then at 20, they retired. They're just like, we're good. You know, they got their regular slot at I.O., and then they eventually moved over to UCB, they did, and they tore up their cage match. And then they, you know. Yeah, apparently 20 wasn't enough for them over at UCB. Apparently not. No. They they did quite well. They they won 44. Yeah. Uh, That's an incredibly sad story. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's just like I've been with it that long. So, and that was like, yeah, that was one of the first, like, 
huge events that happened to me while I was doing the cage match, you know. But competitive improv kills people. It does apparently, you know. But over the, you know, but over the years, you know, on the other hand, you know, there are like mint, there are tons of great teams that were created on a whim. Doctor God is an example. Right. Doctor God was Neil Gargiulo covering his ass because he forgot to tell the people in his class to be in his group. So he just kind of grabbed, you know, like he just kind of grabbed motherfuckers and they became Doctor God. Uh, and then they had an impressive run. Uh, who else? Old Milwaukee was like this just fucking killer group from obviously Wisconsin and they came and they tore it up uh, and of course uh, Two Beer Queer with Jamie Moyer, Emily Candini Celeste, uh, Angela right you know, all. I've, I've been privileged to be able to witness a lot of great improv uh, and I've been able to kind of like share it with people just you know even if it's something, something as simple as manning the email address of people saying, hey, I kind of want to come and do a show. All right, fine. This is your slot. This is what you got. You got 20 minutes. Do whatever you want. Uh, just don't suck. <laughs> so, yeah, for 11 years, I was just I was blessed to do it. But I was also blessed to have Josh Tariff. Who's that? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I made, a, I made a hell of a lot of friends. Met my wife. Yeah. There you she go. Was a, yeah. She was a... Uh... Thank you. Cage so... match pays off. All right. Do we have any... <laughs> Any questions for Joe out there? Yeah, right there. What are some like uh, producer secrets you picked up from 11 years of doing that show? Are you talking about my current my job as a TV producer? I mean, as a as an improv show producer. Uh, I'll tell you what it takes. You need somebody who's gonna be organized. You need someone who's gonna have to keep basically keep the show running and keep everybody on point as far as all right. Like, let's keep it going. If you've hung out with a collection of actors or comedians, you're going to know that they're kind of bitty, kind of loosey-goosey and all that. They all want to have fun. Nobody wants to be the killjoy. I'm not saying you have to be the killjoy, but somebody has to be on top of time, getting things going, moving. Um, I've always kind of found that I fit that role. Like, I'm an okay performer. We'll see. But I'm, I'm kind of better at being a host and being myself and just kind of presenting and keeping things organized and just kind of like keeping things afloat. A lot of the people that I perform with are 10 times funnier and I feel like an audience deserves to see the funny ones. But if I can like keep the house together, that, you know, I'm doing my part. You're a television producer? I am. What the hell is that? What are you doing there? What, producing television? Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm going to the field. I'm directing cameras. I'm coming back to post. I'm putting string outs together, giving it to editors. Where, where, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're doing currently. Yeah, no, I'm working on an A&E show right now. All right. Yeah. All right, real cool. <laughs> we talked about fucking the cage match for 15 minutes. Uh, no, but that's probably it's, it's an improv podcast, but congrats on whatever's going on there. Thank it you. sounds like Thank it's going well. Much. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, ne- I'm definitely never bored. Are they married? You got a kid, right? I do. She's two and a half. Wow, it's funny because to me, I'm because mine are nine and five now, almost ten and six. All right. And it's just like it's just what because you know, I'm like you just had a kid. Nope, two yep. and two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. Uh, she's uh she's pretty amazing. And so now you need that fucking real job. You I need that real job and, money. Yeah. No, <laughs> it doesn't stay in my wallet. Let me tell you. But it's uh. 
No, I mean, you know, improv comes to the real job. You know, I still have to interview people. I still have to keep people kind of loose. Mm -hmm. It's not scripted when I'm shooting. It's all unscripted. So you kind of have to make sure that people can get from A to B without going off on a huge tangent and all that. So that comes good with directing. Whenever I interview people, it's like a conversation. I kind of want to get them to say what I need them to say. All right, let's. I'm just glad you're doing well. I had I, I had no idea. Uh, all right, great. Let's do a set. Sounds good. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea what Joe's doing now. Oh, thank you. going to happen now is me and Joe are going to do about 25 minutes of long-form improvisation for you, and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Attachment. What was that? Attachment. What'd you hear? Attachment. Attachment. You don't let anyone stop your dreams. If your dreams suck on your fucking thumb and hold that goddamn blanket for the rest of your life, then you do it. I don't care if you wind up some homeless guy in an alley sucking his thumb and huddling up with some shitty torn up old blanket thinking about how you used to have a family that was together before your father left his mom because you wouldn't give him that blanket. Which is gonna happen. <laughs> You're gonna leave mom? And the rest. That's how your life is gonna go. <laughs> Wait a minute. I... Daddy, I'm so confused. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that fucking blanket right now. I got it. Got it. Told you it wouldn't be hard. Got the blanket. Damn, you got it. There you go, honey. Alright. You just have to reason with him. I didn't think. Right. Look. I don't have your negotiation skills, okay? No. I am not some hotshot Wall Street person. I'm a simple homemaker. Yes, well, I'm a hotshot Wall Street person. <laughs> <laughs> I have skills in negotiation. It's I mainly have... in threatening. Really? That's the secret of any good negotiation is to threaten the person. Let's, let's have sex in a way that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't think I, it's not that nice. I don't think I care for that. Um, I'll kill you. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> I mean, do you remember where you left it? Uh, that question always annoys me. <laughs> If I remembered where I left it, I, I wouldn't be standing here saying I lost it. Okay, I apologize. I just need a little bit more information. I lost my wallet. Okay. I'm gonna start taking the alcohol out of the bag. Just, oh, I'll put it aside. But I can't give it back to you until you you pay for it. Why would you do that? Sir, 
I cannot give you three quarts of vodka if you're not going to be able to pay for it. I, I just need to find my wallet. And once you do, <laughs> you can come back and purchase this vodka. All right. You've already bagged the vodka. And now I've unbagged it. Now you've unbagged it, yes. which was a waste of your time and energy. <laughs> you should rebag the vodka. I'm folding the bag. How am I supposed to find my wallet? And now it's I with have? the rest of the bags. How am I supposed to find my wallet unless I have three quarts of vodka? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you don't know the answer to that question, do you? No, I do. Give not. me three quarts of vodka. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, we're gonna, I got a job offer in, uh, Bangkok, uh, so, so this isn't gonna work anymore. Gary, I can't do this show by myself. I got a job offer in Bangkok. Have you ever been to Bangkok? No. Oh, it, it's like Disneyland for your dick. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. That's the kind of wit I need in the script. Where am I gonna get that? One, don't use that. Cause I, I just said that. That's fair enough. Mine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm taking that little nugget. Over the ocean. What? Wait, are you gonna write there? Called Bangkok. Can you believe they get away with calling it Bangkok? <laughs> oh, Bangkok. <laughs> no, it sounds to me like you're making this up. No, it's that's just too perfect of a name of a city. Is it a Bangkok. city or a country? What? Is it a city? I've never heard of this before. You've never heard of Bangkok? No. Wow. Where is it? That's why this isn't gonna work anymore. Yeah. It right. just sounds like one of your just gems. Can I no, use, can I use Bangkok? It's, it's a real. You can, can use, I use it. It's a real place. I can't. I can't. I'm gonna rename. The, I'm just. I'm gonna rename the location Bangkok. I just. 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 That, bam. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it won't be Bangkok because there is a real Bangkok that people will think of if you name it Bangkok. I'll think of something else. But this is. I. You want to just call it? You know. Slam penis. <laughs> <laughs> can I use that? When do you start? As soon as I get there. And uh, I'm going. I, I, I came in earlier, I packed up my shit. Jesus. So I'm, I'm out. Good luck with that. Hi. Hi. Thanks. When's the show start? It's going to start soon. Just I can't be wait. patient. I, I know. can't wait. This is my favorite show, Dad. And we're going to get to see it live. Hooray. How's your mother? She's fine. I hope they have the monkey. I'm sure they'll have the monkey. The program says they'll have the monkey. Why are they changing the set? It looks like... Huh. Slam penis. I don't recognize this. 
What's this? No, this says it should be your show, but this is different. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Son. <laughs> Look. These tickets were expensive, okay? I it's... can't close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you stopping me from seeing this? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? Shut up! I think it has something to do with your mother. For some reason, I'm taking it out on you through her. On her through you. So our son is scarred. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What the fuck did you watch today? He's, he's up in his room, curled up in a ball, sucking on his fucking thumb. Alright? What what the fuck happened to him today? He might have seen something. And yeah, I've been working out. <laughs> you look pretty good. Yeah, I do. What the fuck did my son see today? He... Might have seen a live Bukaki show. <laughs> the name of his show is very similar to a name of a show that I like. I think. Are I, you fucking kidding me? You I wish I was. You turned a fucking live Bukaki show by accident. I should have pulled him out. I should have. Yeah, you should have. He's fucking. He's a mess right now. And yeah, this is a new color. <laughs> yeah, I know it does. Listen, this is probably not what you want to hear, but I'm just glad we're talking. I, I do not start that with me. All right, we are over. All right, we just have him to connect us forever. All right, but this is over. All right, because yeah, I've lost some weight. <laughs> yeah, your nails done too. Yeah, I fucking did. You're oh, right. That color does look good on you. It fucking does. <laughs> now I've got you need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> because someone bigger with a bigger dick than you. says that I don't have to give it to you because legally I'm still gonna be her son. Look, well, you're gonna be my son too, legally. Your father's out of the picture, your real father, your biological father, but I'm here now. I'm a big shot Wall Street person, <laughs> all right? And I've got a sizable penis. <laughs> <laughs> These things please your mother. <laughs> you need to give me that. 
No! I can respect that. You stood your ground. All right, but I'll sneak in here at night and hurt you. I'll, I'll cut your ears off. I'll, I'll stick them in your, in your butt. I've done it before. Look, I know, I know you saw a show that was very upsetting today. But believe me, when you get older, that's probably going to become something that you're kind of into. <laughs> you're exposed, being exposed to something like that at this age is probably going to be a trigger for you later in life. And it's going to be something you're strangely drawn to. Not me. I think that's some sick shit. <laughs> Uh, so, do I pay you now, or, uh... What's going on here? <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of helping you out. Um, so stupid. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, st I'll go in the stall next to you, okay? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> say that was one of the strangest conversations. <laughs> Look man I'm I was so I was so struck by you approaching me that I, I I failed to pull my pants back up as I stood there. I, I, Look man I'm sorry okay what I, was that all about? I saw you I thought you winked at me that's why I pulled it I don't even have to use the restroom all right I just pulled into this rest stop because I wink at everybody. That's my thing. You know, that's, it was misleading for me, okay? I, mean, I don't know, maybe I'm fucked up. Maybe I'm just the fucked up one. Right? Look, I'm an attractive Wall Street guy. <laughs> All right, I, I can understand you digging me. All right, and the, and the fact is, I'm not sure what my sexual preference is. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think it's money. <laughs> There's no way you can be attracted sexually to money. Oh, you're wrong there. Many a time I've wrapped a hundred dollar bill around my man member. <laughs> does that does that work? Pretty much anything works down there, really, when you think about it. <laughs> you know, I grew up around money. I'm not shitting anymore. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you grew up around money, huh? Yeah, yeah. My mom married some. Well, it was a, it was a gen, an older gentleman like you, just a slick Wall Street guy with a huge cock. At least that's what he told me. I never saw him. We all have big dicks. All you Wall Street guys? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I never considered if mine was, you know, Wall Street appropriate. But then again, I never really knew what I was. 
I'd be happy to take a look at it for you. <laughs> just, just to let you know if it's if it's the stuff of the street. <laughs> you know why? Why not? Why not? I I never shitted, by the way. I I didn't even have to go. That's weird. <laughs> hey, you started this, Mister. Right, uh, should I let you open the? Or no, you, you got, got it. it. Got it. It's All strange. Right. I'm in a big stall, so there's plenty of room in here. <laughs> Got that side door entrance. I'm over here still. I'm over yeah, here still. Let's see what you said. My pants are down, so let's let's see what you've got there. <laughs> yeah, you could be a a runner. <laughs> you could work at the you, you're talking about one of those guys that gets you caught. So I, no, and I'm talking about you know, a runner on the floor of the exchange. Like grabs the... He doesn't actually make the trades. He doesn't actually take the trades. He runs the trade from one broker over to the bro other broker and confirms it. You've got a little dick. <laughs> well, uh, at least now I know. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Are you going to sit in there the whole time? You told me that you're not shitting anymore. This has been the highlight of my week. <laughs> our, our little exchange. I think I'll buy this building. You're talking about the entire rest area or just this particular... I'm member. talking about the entire building. The entire building in which this bathroom is housed. I'm about to use far too much toilet paper. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for confirming it for me. Tapping over there. 
This is my phone. I have the, the keystroke sound effect on. I ah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Ha ha ha. That's something right there, isn't it? Uh, I, I think it is. Isn't it one? Dab, yes. dab, 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 dab. Sparkle. Oh, do you, do you dab as well? I like to take an entire roll of toilet paper. That's the only way Wall Street, Street Man does. All Wall Street men dab. Flush. Oh, you're a Wall Street man. Of course I'm a Wall Street man. Ah, huzzah. Oh, huzzah. Then you know about your dick. Right, of course I do. Absolutely. Huge, veiny. Yeah, this is my first day here in Bangkok. <laughs> All right. All right. So, put up. I'm put on your head. Go ahead and put on your headband. Put on my headband. Yeah. All right. Drink that tea while it's still hot. Tea? Have you ever shot a 300, a 357 Magnum? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're only gonna need one right. bullet. <laughs> you better drink that. Tea? I don't want. I don't want any tea. It will numb your senses. You better do it. The other guy's doing it. Wait a minute. What's what's going on? You I got a lot of money riding on you. I, I'm here to I'm here to, fuck, I'm here to fuck people. I came to Bangkok to fuck people. <laughs> <laughs> Sign outside to, to find out the outside is fuckery. Drink! Oh, I don't want to play this game anymore. You gotta pull, game. man. You gotta take a pull, oh, man. Come on. One and five. You gotta take a pull, man. You gotta do it. Slam penis. 
They really are. Damn! Penis is the worst word you should use. And apparently for this I'm title. and I'm the worst children's sitcom writer. Oh. I need your verb, man. Your zazz, your zing. Come on, I'm the writer, you're the doctor. I don't know if I can. I'll try. Just, just use your experience. I don't think I'm the same man anymore after what happened to me. Oh, don't tell me that, Gary. I just told you that. All right, you did. <laughs> Damn. That sounds like you still got it to me. All right. Uh, All right. Look, I've got several of them outlined, okay? I just need filler. Just like the, 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 the talking points, the dialogue. That's really all you got to do. You didn't lose your ability to talk straight. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll try. Hey, 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 ass fuck. <laughs> look, look who I found. My wallet. Oh. I found my wallet. All right. Yeah. Well, then, I found your bag. No, I don't want to do shit anymore. Wait, you're already drunk. Yeah, I wanted to jump. You went to another store. I went to the store, and a gentleman gave me three quarts of vodka to help me find my wallet. And you know what I gave him? A billion dollars. You had a billion dollars I'm in your wallet. I'm fucking, I'm Steve Gates, asshole. <laughs> 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 I'm Steve Gates. <laughs> no, Fucking night, you know, with, with your bag and your and your private vodka. Well, sir, I'm just gonna take this back and put it away since you're not gonna purchase yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'll take it if you're getting rid of it. I'll take it. Well, we have a special today, three for twelve fifty. I'm not buying anything because oh. I found my wallet, fuckhead. All right, <laughs> all right. You're not getting the billion dollars like the guy down the street got. He's a billionaire now. Billionaire. And what are you? You're a guy holding two fucking shitty bottles of vodka. Like, 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 there you fuck. I look at me, I'm this guy. Well, at least I have vodka. I have vodka. It's all in here. <laughs> it's all in there. That's where I put it. That's where I keep my vodka. I keep it in there. Yeah, now it's, I'm going to put it on your floor in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Please use the restroom. You use the restroom. Well, I do use the restroom. Yeah. I'd appreciate it if you did the same thing. Fine, I'll use your restroom. If you insist I use your restroom, you use the restroom. Go right I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shit in your restroom. Well, that's <laughs> I would appreciate you doing it in the restroom. Yeah. Are yeah. you sure you don't want these bottles of vodka, this sir? This nice restroom. This is a nice restroom. Yeah. I'm going to shit in your urinal. So please use the bowl, sir. Please use the bowl. <laughs> Try not to take too long. We're going to be closing up in about five minutes, sir. I, I pissed. Ow. Sir, are you okay? No, I pissed. I pissed myself. Do you need assistance, sir? No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I hurt myself. Oh. All right, look. Uh, look, I'm not drunk. 
You're not drunk? Did you really shit in my... No. Give me three bottles of vodka. <laughs> That's our show!